Psalm 40, 1 through 17. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praised our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I could, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not conceded, concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame, who say to me, Aha! Aha! Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my redeem, my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Is it on? Yeah, thanks, Don. I do that. It's a thing. Anybody else having memory problems from time to time? It's just me. <laughs> Forgot that he's having memory problems. Yeah, you are the love song we'll sing forever. That's what the hymn said that we just... This uh, Psalm 40 is really a psalm that David wrote. But it's one about giving thanks, and it's one about lament. It's one about the resurrection at the beginning, and it seems like the burden of the cross at the end, which chronologically to us in the West here seems a little odd. That, but the resurrection's where the, the power and the glory is, so maybe, I don't know, it's 
what David wrote, so we'll go with it. <clears throat> but he started a new song. So let's look at verse 1. We're going to run down through these kind of fast. We're going to do communion in a little bit. Um, I waited patiently for the Lord. That's King David. But King David had a greater son who also became a king, and his name was Jesus. We know about that. And this being a kind of a messianic psalm, a psalm about the Messiah's coming, you have this connection between the words of David, often in the Psalms, and uh, the heart cry of Jesus when he was here on earth, when he should have been crowned king like David had been. And uh, there's a lot to think about when you read David's writings because his greater son, the Lord Jesus, had the same flesh and crying and heart. And we're going to look at some of that here tonight. He waited on the Lord. And we know that Jesus always said, I've come to do the Father's will. I don't go anywhere he doesn't tell me to go. I don't do anything he tells unless he tells me to do it. And I don't say anything unless he's put it in my heart and my mouth to do so. And that's that was the attitude that Jesus had when he was here. And David is basically claiming the same thing. Now, we know David struggled in the flesh with the level of commitment and obedience that he often portrayed in the written word. But nonetheless, most of us as believers today claim to be Christian, claim to be followers of Christ, claim to have faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And again, how are we doing? Oh, a lot like David. You know, we struggle, but that doesn't change the desire in a sense of our heart. We have a little better shape than David had. We have the power of God with us and in us, the Holy Spirit, where for David in his time, that sort of came and went, and he was left more to his own devices to really struggle in his humanity to uh, walk with God in that sense. <clears throat> and he inclined his ear, and he heard me. He heard my cry. You could think of Gethsemane when the Lord was crying about the coming of the cross. He knew it was coming. And uh, he also brought me up out of the horrible pit, the grave, the resurrection, out of the miry clay, and has set my feet on a rock. He has given the Lord Jesus a sure standing. Um, if he had only died on the cross, well, he'd be dead. You know, they buried him, but he rose again from the dead, which means the grave couldn't hold him. It means that he had no sin of his own. If he had his own sin, he would have stayed in the grave. There's no resurrection for the sinner. The soul that sins dies. He had no sin. So the grave couldn't hold him. When he rose up out of that grave, he was set on sure ground. He had a standing like no other. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, is standing after the cross. He's out of the grave and has found a foothold. How do we know? Well, when Stephen was being stoned, what did he see? He looked up and saw the Lord Jesus. And where was he? Standing at the right hand of the throne. He has a standing because of the resurrection. David was given a throne, and he had a place to stand before God and before man and to live it out. 
And so he's, but we see this in Jesus as well. He put my feet upon a rock and has established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. And we just sang about that. He is the love song we'll sing forever. Now, it's a new song. You got that? There's going to be a new song. What kind of a song is that? Praise to our God. There's a part of... Well, six times David says in the Psalms, there will be a new song. Six over here. Six times there will be a new song. Isaiah said it once in chapter 42, there's going to be a new song. And John... In Revelation said twice, there's going to be a new song. What is the song? Praise to our God that we will sing forever. And that's why Rob and Mark penned those words in the song that we just sang. New song, new song. Anybody here ever sung in a choir? Raise your hands real high. Somebody write their names down. <laughs> Played in a band or an orchestra, <clears throat> symphony. You know, you think about the famous composers in classical music, and you look at the score, you know, the sheet of music, and the way they wrote it originally, too, it's just it's mind-boggling. Uh, there's people that can actually play that stuff, you know. But you look at the way they composed all of that, and uh, every one of us is in the process of becoming a note in the symphony of heaven. That when we see the Lord, we'll make up that love song that we sing forever. It's going to be a new song. It's going to be something like we've never heard before. And we get glimpses of it in the book when it talks about thousands and thousands of voices from all over singing. Yeah, I can't imagine. I've been in some big groups where there was some singing going on, and it, it puts chills. I mean, some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. It is amazing. It's going to be a new song, and, the, and, and people will hear it, and they, they will have some fear in their lives, and it will bring them to trust God. So the song that I'm singing in this life, the people who are watching, are they developing that kind of fear and reverential trust, and is it somehow bringing them to a place where I need to trust in God like they trust in God. You know, that's, that's the real challenge for any church in any small town. Is it? It's the challenge for all of us as Christians. What note am I playing in the symphony of praise to our God? I know that uh, prior to 1973, I listened to different kinds of music. But that all changed in January of 73, and I've been singing a new song ever since, a different kind of music. I still like some of the old stuff, and you hear me quote it once in a while. It's good. Some of it's good. But we can be discerning, but the new song, and the Lord Jesus, when he was here, his whole life was a new song, and they didn't understand the score. They couldn't get their heads around what was going on. What he was doing is living up to every bit of this passage right here.
A little beatitude gets thrown in the mix. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. So if you want to be a real man, it sounds like you have to trust the Lord and don't give respect to pride and proud things. And that somehow anything other than that is a lie. So if I'm living any kind of a life that is not um, trusting God, if that music isn't being heard loud and clear by the people listening and watching, what I'm doing is living a lie. I am a liar at that point. So when Jesus was here living out these verses, he would say these things and they would accuse him of being of the devil and a liar and a born out of wedlock and all the other stuff they threw at him. But he's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. I'm not a liar. I know the father of lies. And you all have a fake, a fake and false religion going on here. And you belong to your father, the liar, the devil. And so those are the two options that we have as people on this planet. We either believe in the one that created the planet and start to acknowledge him with our lives, or we are liars. That's cut and dry. That's how it works. And a lot of people don't realize they're living a lie. And they won't unless they hear the music. And where are the notes? We are the notes. Now here's, here's a little interesting thing. In Psalm 8, the, David wrote, says, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? Now the son of man, Jesus claimed to be the son of man quite a bit, didn't he? All the time. It's kind of a reference to uh, Daniel, which at this point he isn't even born yet, but that term comes up. But anyway, son of man, son of the ruddy one, son of Adam, basically. Well, that's one word. And then the other one, who is man that you would think about him? Well, it says in this psalm he's thinking about us all the time. But that word is a, uh, a mortal. So you've got the mortal man, then you have the human being, the son of Adam, born into, which I think women kind of slide into that one too, being human beings, and Phil thinks so anyway, they're human. Yeah, men and women, they're all mortal and human. So you ladies, I don't want you to feel left out. But we all are mortal. We all are human beings. Jesus came in flesh as a man, a mortal man, a human being man. Now, what is this in Psalm verse 4 here? Blessed is that man. Well, that word actually means warrior. Isn't that cool? This is the warrior that came in flesh as a mortal, as a human being, to conquer sin, hell, death, and the grave. Blessed is that man. And if we're identifying with that man, and he's the only Savior that we could possibly have, that's where true manhood comes into effect. If you've been born on the planet, son of Adam, daughter of Eve, and you are a human being, and you are indeed mortal, you're going to die Mortality is, a sh I mean, it's short, you know. Our life is very short. We are going to die. But life is found in this one, the warrior that came to overcome sin, hell, death, and the grave. It's a powerful thing. 
I don't think David understood all that when he wrote this, but it's there. Verse 5, Many, O Lord, are your wondrous works, which you have done. Your thoughts toward us cannot be counted, recounted. Back to you in any kind of order. There's too much going on. I don't even know how to declare it or speak it. Verse 5. You got five, Clark? Is it anything? Go to the next. No, well, skip five. So here's what we're going to do. It says there in verse 5 that um, these blessings, we can't even count them. Now, since 1973, I can't even begin to tell you, and I'm not even sure how much God has done for me. I'm pretty sure he's done stuff for me that I don't even know he did. And I'm still here. And I'd talk about it if I knew what it was, but the fact that I, I'm not even aware of what God is doing half the time. But I'd like to hear from all of you right now just a couple of words. Name a blessing. So we need a blessing. Barb. So yeah. So what did they do? Some guy come around, checked the roof, and the hail storm. <laughs> Insurance bought you a new roof. <laughs> there you go. Somebody else. A couple of words. Bark. What are they? Safety and blessings of children. Safety and the blessings of her children. What else we got? Uh, I had a son that was strung out on drugs and seemed like he didn't care about anything about life at all. Now, I think he knows the difference between life and death. Amen. Amen. Somebody else? Mike? My son moved out of New York City. He left the city. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a step in the right direction. Anybody else? Good. See, all of these notes are part of the symphony. Sympathy, symphony? I need new teeth, man. I just want to throw them away. I was telling Joe earlier, my mind goes faster than my teeth can get the words out sometimes. It's like they probably think he's a stammering idiot. And, and then... <laughs> And then the, the kid said, well, Dad, you can only blame COVID in your teeth so long. You know, there's <laughs> other things coming at you, man. Like, <clears throat> Anyway, I forgot what I was saying. Barb? It just totally amazes to me. Uh, sometimes you'll think, well, I need this or that. And it's like, because I totally yep. depend on the Lord for everything. And he's been faithful. And it was like, well, Lord, I don't know how you're going to pull that one off, but all of a sudden he does it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to follow him a million years. Yeah. That's why here it is. <laughs> <laughs> this old hymn here, and we say it's an old hymn. It's not a new hymn. It's an old hymn. But it's actually not that old. It was written in 1897. You know, count your blessings, name them one by one. You realize that was written one year after this building was put up? Isn't that cool? And now we are enjoying the blessing of this building as well. But it's interesting stuff. Let's go on. Next verse 6. <clears throat> but all of these kind of things of just the blessings and the acknowledgement and saying it back to God is all part of the music that sings that love song back to him, you know. So 
He says in verse 6, the psalmist wrote, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. And in, in Hebrews 10, that's quoted, but it's quoted differently. I want to read it to you and watch the difference when it comes up. <clears throat> Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Isn't that interesting? You get my ear is open to you, or you have a body. Well, why did the writer of Hebrews change it? But is it not really changed? But it feels like it is because of the way we read it. To have your ear pierced, it was a popular thing. Some people still do it. But in the Old Testament, there's a story of a slave who had served his time, his servitude for whatever. But during his slave period, you might say, paying back his debt or whatever it was, he had acquired a wife and a child. Born in slavery, so they would still be slaves. And so the slave has an opportunity because he's free. He served his time and his masters, have a good life, see ya. But he doesn't want to go. For one, he really loves his master. These guys have been good to him. He's fed him well and taken good care of him. The other reasons are his wife and his children. And he says, I don't want to go. I want to stay. He says, well, you're a free man. But I want to stay. He says, well, then you're going to have to wear a sign that says that you were free, but you chose to stay. And so the guy would go over to the doorpost and take an awl, the master would, and poke it right through his little ear there. <clears throat> I always wondered if they used ice first, because that was a thing. <laughs> you ladies are all laughing. I knew I heard about that. <clears throat> so they, they just, and it'd be, I imagine it would bleed, wouldn't it, on the doorpost? There'd be blood on the doorpost. You ever hear of anything like that in the Bible? Weird. And so can you think of anyone else that was pierced one time? on a piece of wood because the body of the servant was free but he willingly gave himself to the wood and shed his blood in order to stay in a love relationship to redeem in a sense the relationship between his wife and his children and so the the book of hebrews when he wrote that he said it's never been about it's never been about the offerings the Old Testament law. It's been about a body that's coming to take the place of the sinner and to pay the price. And so we have pictures of the Lord Jesus in all of this. I come in the scroll of the book. It's written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. And when Jesus was walking around on earth saying, I'm only here to do the Father's will, it drove them crazy, the Pharisees. Because they knew exactly what he was talking about. He's always quoting this Old Testament scripture in his daily walk. I am the son of man. I am here. I am doing the father's will. Well, in Hebrews, it gets down to the end of it, uh, that one section where it's quoted. And it says, I have come to do your will, O God. 
because the body has come to do the will of God and God didn't care about the sacrifices and the offerings. It must be that the body is the new fulfillment of all the old stuff. So the old stuff is going away and there's a body that's going to be given. Someone is going to be pierced as a result of all of this in this psalm. And it says then, but that will we have, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ one time. Many goats and bulls, not so much. Annually doing it over and over and over. Why? Because it didn't work. It just kept them focused, but it wasn't actually literally removing any sin. It was the one body of Christ who gave himself to the wood and was pierced for many. Isaiah 53, for the many. So here's a little uh, rundown through the next couple of verses. Think about the benefits of Calvary and what we have because of all of this. In verse 9, David says, I proclaim the good news, so is Jesus. The righteousness was his, Christ. And David was proclaiming God's righteousness. The righteousness was given to us. But nonetheless, David says, I do not restrain my lips. Oh Lord, you yourself know it. I have not hidden your righteousness. I have declared your faithfulness, your salvation, your loving kindness, your truth, your tenderness, your loving kindness, your truth. You get down to verse 12, and there's a bit of a lament confession thing here. And he says, innumerable evils have surrounded me. Well, we know that happened at the cross at Calvary. Evil was, and my iniquities have overtaken me. And David could say that. Sometimes we say it yet to this day. It's because I sinned a while back. Because of my past life, I'm now reaping what I've sowed. I mean, we feel it. Jesus wouldn't say that. But what was surrounding him was all the evil and all the iniquity and all the sins of others because he took it all upon himself and paid the price. And so David is reciting this about himself, but there is the shadow of the cross in there. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. And again, we hear the Gethsemane prayer. Be pleased, O Lord, verse 13, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste and help me. Let them be ashamed who brought and brought to mutual confusion, who seek to destroy my life. They sought to kill David, and they sought to kill Christ. Let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor. Do you remember when they came to get Jesus on the mount and Judas betrayed him with a kiss? They all fell backwards. Hello, here's your sign, people. It's in fulfillment of Psalm 40, but they don't see it. All those who dishonor and wish me evil, let them be confounded because of their shame. All those who say, Aha, and certainly around the cross they did. They mocked him to scorn. And sometimes even as Christians today, we probably would take a certain amount of mockery as well. And let's pray and hope that we do, because uh, it might be that we're singing the right notes. Found it. Here's uh, verse 16. Come on up, guys. I think there's a verse 60. There it is. <clears throat> Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. 
The whole point of communion is lifting up his name. You know, magnifying him, making his name, that name, our song, our new song, our no, it's him. It's all about him. And in communion, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing tonight. And I'm going to pass the elements out and hold it till the end because then we're going to recite verse 17 together or part of it. We're going to say the Lord be magnified and then the rest of verse 17 and take communion together. So that's kind of the plan. So let's just have a word of prayer. A couple of men are going to help pass these emblems out tonight. Come on up here and stand with us. We'll pray together. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, we just ask your blessing on our time as we remember you, that we should remember your holy name and magnify your name. You know, we have nothing. We come empty-handed. We have no way to measure up to improve ourselves or do any of that. We are just here because you are the Savior, the Deliverer, the one who has set us free from our iniquities and sin. And as we take this these emblems tonight just help us to be focused and be thankful people to look to you and say thank thank you lord we just ask your blessing on these emblems in jesus name amen
I'm going to read this one sentence and then we'll read that slide together. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we hear Christ be
So as we go out, I guess we're uh, hoping to see Christ magnified in the altar of our lives. So let's let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to hear and listen to the love song that we're singing, that our lives might be another note in that great score that will be sung in the days to come. So... In the meantime, while we're here, Lord, we, uh, we just ask that you'd strengthen our faith, help us to be found faithful at the end of each day, help us to struggle well, love well, and seek to honor and glorify and magnify your name in all that we do. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen.